In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Thank you. One day, a meek and simple monk of Mount Athos, one of them, the kind that Christ promises will inherit the earth, when he says the meek shall inherit the earth, a simple man was getting ready as usual to address in prayer the saint of the day with abundant tears and many bows to the ground. But when he looked for his calendar, he realized that he had mislaid it and had no way of knowing who the saint of the day was. So he began his prayer with the words, Saint of the day, intercede for us. Upon which the saint appeared before him and said his name was Lucilian. Without the least amazement, the good old man ended his prayer with the saint's name, but being a little deaf, he had not quite caught it and said, Saint Lucian, intercede for us. And the saint appeared again and said reprovingly, I'm not Lucian, but Lucilian and vanished, leaving the monk to continue peacefully in his prayer. This story is a good illustration of how simple our approach should be in getting to know the saints. And it shows how close they are to us as active helpers in our daily life. They intercede for us just like you and I ask one another for intercessions. We ask the saints for their intercessions. They set us on our feet when we've fallen, showing us by countless signs of their presence that our life is truly not of this world, but we live as strangers and sojourners between heaven and earth. The theme of the last couple of weeks in the church following Holy Pentecost is holiness and the saints. Because we see the fruit born for those who take seriously the salvation of Christ and what Christ would accomplish in the life of those who would follow him. Be holy as I am holy, Christ has called each and every one of us. How is it possible? Well, with man, all things, not all things are possible. But with God, all things are possible. How can I be like you, God? And we heard it in today's gospel reading. Follow me. Follow me. Striving to be like God, but not despite God and not without God. And that's where we get mixed up sometimes in our pretension. We forget the words of one of the most sacred and wonderful of the saints of the church whose nativity we celebrated on Friday. St. John the Baptist, who reminds us 
in another way what the path to true sanctity is in speaking of Christ saying he must increase and I must decrease. The desire is of the true Christian and the one who would become a saint is not that I would be, but that Christ would be. Not that you would see me, but that you would see him. I think of the, the choir of those holiest among the saints whose names have escaped us and they get to, in their modesty, slip away without recognition. But also there were many who would have us know the name of Christ and whose names we proclaim as those who lead us to Christ and inspire us to live a Christ-like life. The choir of the saints we appeal to throughout all of time, both known and unknown throughout the world. And on the second Sunday after Pentecost, also the saints of each local land. Today we celebrate the feast of all saints of North America. And you heard the hymns. You heard many of the names this morning. As I mentioned before, revealing to us that these stories are not just stories or folk tales that we get to hear about, but witnesses to the reality of what we're called to be. Each one uniquely manifesting in his or herself the creativity and love of God, creating a mosaic, a beautiful painting. A choir singing a beautiful melody, proclaiming the goodness of God and the effectuality of His salvation. Even here, even in the United States. The Orthodox Christian life is nothing special. The Orthodox Christian life, to steal the words of one of my friends, is just the Christian life. Orthodox Christianity is mere Christianity. It's Christianity with nothing added and nothing taken away. But because it is mere Christianity, it is a radical way of life. It's a radical way of life. And I really like that word radical. Because it means a couple of things. It's not just a word for surfers or skateboarders like I used to be. It's not just a word used for people who are trying to explain how amazing something is, although it can be. And I do think orthodoxy is radical in that way. I do really like it. But also it's radical in the literal sense if you know mathematical terminology, you know, or if you know, uh, if you're a, a gardener, <laughs> you think of the word radical, you know, of a root, or you think of the word radish. 
It is radical in that it's connected to the root, to the very beginning, to the core from which everything is sprouted forth. I remember writing when I was a young man, the call of radicalism is upon me. Dramatically. Some of the most beautiful words ever written. This reflection probably when I was 20 years old or something. The call of radicalism is upon me. But I was going through a shift, but not just a superlative one. Something that's calling me back. Something that's calling me to my roots. Something that's calling me to remember that I'm not self-sourced. So as something that's been born forth in the world by the grace of the Holy Spirit, continuously, it traces its roots back to Christ and the apostles, but their life continues today even. That very same Holy Spirit is working today and can work even in this land and even in our lives. The saints aren't there just to show us that they did it, but they're there to let us know that we can do it too. But to do it too like they did it is to live a radical way of life and a countercultural one. Christians are called to live life as those who are members of the kingdom of God yet while on earth. I was reflecting on this radical call and how special and wonderful the saints are in our lives. And how we trace our origins back to the beginning. And I found an early, beautiful early Christian writing called The Letter to Diognetus by Mathetes. And I wanted to share what is written about the Christians in the second century. This is traced to around 130. Discussing the manner in which Christians live at that time, and I would say, beloved in Christ, how Christians are to live even now. Hear the words from this letter to Diognetus. He says, The Christians are distinguished from other men, neither by country nor language, nor the customs which they observe, for they neither inhabit cities of their own, nor employ a particular form of speech, nor lead a way of life marked out by any singular worldly attribute of life, but inhabiting Greek as well as barbarian cities, according as the lot of each of them has determined, and following the local customs with respect to clothing, food, and the rest of their ordinary conduct, they display to us their wonderful and confessedly striking manner of life. So he says, okay, they're, they're kind of like at the supermarket like you and I are, and working jobs like you and I are. But there's also something confessedly striking about them. They dwell in their own countries, like those of us in America. But simply as sojourners, 
as citizens, they share in all things with others, and yet endure all things as foreigners. Every foreign land is to them as their native country, and every land of their birth a land of strangers. They are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws and at the same time surpass the laws by their lives. They love all men, though they are persecuted by all. They are unknown, yet condemned. They are put to death, yet they are restored to life. They are poor, yet they make many rich. They lack and are in want of all things, yet they abound in all. They are dishonored, and yet in their very dishonor, they are glorified. This is the the Christian life, the paradox of living as those who are lovers of this world and also the kingdom of God, living in the tension of the already but not yet, knowing that the kingdom of God is at hand but yet to come, that the, the fullness of the fulfillment of our calling is yet to take place. And I would like to say that the saints of North America coming from all other places throughout the world, they could have traced their origins you know, back to many, many generations. They came to a land unknown. And especially the first ones who came as missionaries in the late 1800s, St. Herman and others, coming to a place unknown, but yet known. Unknown to them and known by God, having their confidence in Christ and Christ alone. And so, what I want to encourage very simply today, beloved in Christ, is first of all, draw near to the saints. Get to know, especially those saints of North America. We have some of them hanging on our walls. St. Herman of Alaska. St. John Maximovich, we have on the central analogion today, St. Alexis, and an icon of the Synaxis, or the gathering of all of the saints of North America. You do encounter them in a way by seeing their icon. Also by hearing their hymns, but also, I encourage you, read their lives. To read the life of a saint is to encounter the icon in another form. It's one thing to stand next to someone and to appreciate their presence. It's another to sit down and get to know them. So number one, I want to encourage you to get to know the saints. Get to know them as our exemplars, and of those who are seeking to inspire us to live a Christ-like life in this land. Get to know them as persons, but then also they would not want to be known for their own sake, but they would want to be known for Christ's sake. So get to know them, one. Two, 
Ask for their intercessions in getting to know them. You're drawing near to some of the most precious spiritual guides and intercessors that are available to us. Draw near to them and ask for their intercessions. Venerate their icons. Hang them in your homes. Have conversations about them. Get to know them. Ask for their intercessions. And then third is those who gave their lives in following Christ. Seek to follow their example. In whatever way it may be to approximate in your life that life of holiness. It begins with prayer and worship. And it continues with sharing the faith. You may recall a story I've once told about flying home from a conference. Anytime I travel, I, I, tra- I always wear my cassock everywhere I go. One of the contemporary saints of the church called the ca- cassock the flag of the Orthodox Church. And so I sat with a man and talked to him with, with him for a while. He was a Protestant. I told him I was an Orthodox Christian priest and we carried on for a while. I told him a little bit about the history of the church and so on. And I remember saying, I'm a part of the Orthodox Christian Church. Have you ever heard of the Russian Orthodox or the Greek Orthodox? He said, oh yeah, I've heard of the Russian Orthodox and the Greek Orthodox, but I didn't know that there were Christian Orthodox. I didn't know that there were people who were Orthodox who were Christians. Lord have mercy. You know what that means, beloved in Christ. We've got a little bit of work to do. And we can't do it on our own, aside from the intercessions of those who have gone before us. In our own way, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, by humility but with a humble boldness. We should desire to share the truth, to bear witness to the reality of this mere Christianity, this way of life, which is the authentic Christian life. The life of the Orthodox Christian. And then we'll become living paradoxes. Humble yet powerful. Meek yet wonderful, you know. Quiet but shining brightly. And constantly bearing witness to the perfect love of our Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ. Get to know the saints, ask for their intercessions emulate them, approximate in their lives the types of lives that they lived and try to understand through their intercession how you can uniquely live out the life that God has called you to. I'll end with one of the hymns of the church that we sang last night. The hymns of Great Vespers and Orthros were so beautiful and so fitting 
in honoring those precious, bright lights. Today, as we celebrate the memory of all saints of North America, let us praise them as is fitting, for they lived all of Christ's Beatitudes. Deprived of material wealth, they became rich in spirit. Meek, they inherited the earth. Mourning, they were comforted. Thirsting for righteousness, they were satisfied. Merciful, they obtained mercy. Pure in heart, they beheld the image of God. As peacemakers, they became God's children. Persecuted and tortured for righteousness' sake, they now rejoice in heaven. And they pray fervently to the Lord that he may have mercy on our souls. The call of radicalism is upon us, beloved in Christ. Let us respond with a radical love for our Lord Jesus Christ, adherence to that which was at the beginning, that which is now, and which will lead to life in the kingdom of God for all who would respond to the words of Christ. Follow me to the intercessions of all of the saints of North America. May the Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy on us and save us. Amen.